We're in the same room again. We are back. <laughs> I am healed. Everything's okay. Back to normal. It did take for fucking ever to set up all of our stuff because it's been so long <laughs> since we recorded together in person. Yeah, I was untangling cords and being like, why did I do this? Why did I wrap everything like that? I know. When you when you, when I saw you wrapped it up, I was like, I'm going to let her figure this out. <laughs> I got it. You know, I didn't want to put it in my car all loose and then have it fling into the bottom of my car and have to untangle that from like, I don't know, my car's a mess. Yeah, but, fair, fair enough. You know. So we're doing something a little different today. Yes. We are talking about one of Katie's favorite books that she doesn't shut up about. I did, I did, I did really like it. So we're talking about Every Summer After, which came out last summer, but then Carly Fortune, that author, put out another book that just came out, what, in like April? Recently. Very, very recently. recently. But it's summer, so now we're going to read it. Exactly. It's at the lake. It's at the lake, obviously. Meet me at the lake. But Abigail also had not read Every Summer After, despite my being really annoying about it yep and so we decided why not sort of do a one-two punch with these carly fortune books yeah so we're gonna do it a little differently than some of our other book club episodes we're not gonna do some v detailed plot discussion because we would be here for ever hours yeah and nobody wants that yeah so we're just gonna kind of talk about each one generally and then kind of both of them together as a set because they are spiritually extremely similar yeah they they are not it's not a series mm -hmm. but they both take place in the same general region of canada mm -hmm. and they are both like summer lake romance genre yes so so they do feel they, they feel like a series to me yeah and they look like the covers are similar like it's all it's all very similar both beautiful Beautiful covers. Yes. These spines match. They, they look do. beautiful next to each other. They do. I really love the cover of Meet Me. I love all the pinks. It's mm -hmm. so beautiful. Like, all the blues in Every Summer After are beautiful, but the pinks are just like, like, just what a beautiful cover that is. Yes. We love a pink. Okay. So, I really liked Every Summer After. I read it toward the end of last summer. It was like August. It was like peak, like, worst part of the fucking year in Texas. And so, I think I was like... This was like prime time for me to love that book because I was like, get me out of here. <laughs> okay, vaguely unrelated. But when they talk about in these books of how hot it is in the summer, I'm like, you guys have no idea. Right. And I want to <laughs> look up like Canadian summer temperatures because I'm like, so it's got to be like 80 there, right? Okay, let's like look. Toronto temperature. It's 67 degrees there right now. I want to die. Uh, let me search August. Uh, the high is 80 degrees in August, <sighs> 81 in July. Stop. So, you know, but they're, they're not used to it. It's probably very hot for them. I know, but I also just think about it. One, that lake must be freezing all year round. Yeah. And they're just like swimming in it and yeah. talking about how hot and sweaty they are. And I'm like, guys, are you, is it real? I woke up and left my house at 830 this morning and it was 80 degrees. Yeah, it's it's three shower a day weather in Texas now. <sighs> My least favorite weather. Minimum two shower a day. Sometimes three though. As I've on said on this podcast, this is when my seasonal depression hits, and Austin calls it my summer affective disorder. Yeah, because you just can't leave the house. It's too hot. It's rough. Anyway, it's, it's a rough time. So yeah, so I think when I initially read Every Summer After was like the absolute perfect time for me to read it. End mm. of summer. 
I I like summer, and so I get that kind of end of summer melancholy where I'm like, uh, summer is ending, things are about to get busy again because I'm on a school year schedule, right? Yep. So it was like sort of like again, I was like and and I also get like even though I like summer, I get fucking bummed out when it's been so hot for so many months. Mm-hmm. And so end of August again is just like the worst. Is it ever going to end? Exactly. That's what I start to feel in like late July is like, is this ever going to end? Yeah, it's like I'm laying on the tile floor downstairs just to feel <laughs> cool. Just to feel. <laughs> just to feel. <laughs> exactly. Just to feel anything. So I will say I think I was like primed and ready for every summer after when I read it mm-hmm. last year. And then I reread it this week or last week or whatever. Mm-hmm. At whatever point you gave it to me, I reread it. Right. And I still, I still really liked it. It was not, you know, it's magical the first time you read it, and then sure. it's not, not. It doesn't hit the exact same way. But I was like, is there a difference between early summer and late summer, and how I'm going to feel this? And I haven't really spent any time on the water much this summer. I know, um, true. Yet, but like at end of summer last year, I had spent some time on the water. So I think like different mindset makes me approach these summer books differently sometimes. Mm, that's fair. That's fair. I read Every Summer After, which we're going to assume that everyone has read it who's listening to this episode, I guess. Yeah, spo- spoilers abound. Spoilers abound for both, but, you know, it's I read it right when I got back from France is when I finally started. No, I started it on the plane to France mm-hmm. and then picked it back up when I got home. So I don't, mm, I liked it. I'll say that. But yeah. I don't think it hit me maybe the way that it hit you last summer. And maybe I'm just like, I don't know. I was going through it the past few weeks too, so. I think one of the reasons that I liked Every Summer After so much, and and I'm not alone. I was like looking at Goodreads reviews um, for reasons we'll get to. And it has like a 4.2 rating oh, yeah. or something. Like this book is like widely loved because – there's been some controversy surrounding it, so I like which we'll get to later. So I went back to Goodreads and I was like, you know how when you really like a book and then a bunch of other people don't like it, and you're like, am I wrong? Is this is this wrong? No, because I only read Goodreads reviews when I hate a book and I want to feel like that I was right. Mm-hmm. So I read the mm-hmm. other people that hated a book. That's fair. That's fair. But yeah, so like I went back to Goodreads being like, okay, like am I the only person like? Am I in the minority here mm-hmm. in really liking this? And I'm not. No. Um So people love this book. Yeah, it was it was very very well received. But I think one of the reasons that I really really loved this book is because it felt like a slightly more grown up version of a lot of the books that I really liked to read when I was like 17 or 18, mm-hmm. um, or in college. Yeah, you know, like. I'm a big Jenny Han girl. This is very the summer I turned pretty. Like yes. almost exactly. <laughs> yes. I really, really gravitated to those sorts of books where it was like girl goes on vacation, falls in love, hmm. or like guy next door, or like townie, or what like I read so, so many. Every seventeen year old girl's fantasy. Meeting a guy on vacation and falling in love. Exactly. So this felt like for me, like a continuation of that because we get the the part of them being young and falling in love, but then we also get the grown up version. So it felt like sort of an extended universe of those books that I liked growing up. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I think for every summer after, um, I know the timelines are evenly split. Mm-hmm. So we've got 
Percy. We've got Sam and Charlie, her two next door neighbor brothers. Uh, and Sam's then, younger, Charlie's older. Mm-hmm. They're a couple years apart. Yeah, and then Sam becoming her best friend, then boyfriend, then long lost love. Um, like I know the timelines are evenly split, but I had a lot of trouble with adult versions of them. Mm-hmm. Of I felt like I didn't really get to know adult Percy very much. Yeah, I think I think that's something that is as much as I like this back and forth mm-hmm. format because it builds suspense and it's building up to this like emotional climax. Um, that that is, I think, something that that's that gets lost in the format of not just this book, but a lot of books that have yeah. that back and forth because we miss everything that makes them how they are. Right, and in every summer after. You have this huge time gap from when she and Sam break up to when they reconnect, and we don't really know where either of them were at that time. Um, You kind of get little snippets of it, of both of them have just been, not floundering is not the right word, but just Mm -hmm. kind of mourning this relationship they had separately. And I think you just miss a lot of that. And then suddenly you're coming back to them together in this moment of really intense grief where... Sam and Charlie's mom has died. And so I think reading it for this one, Carly Fortune did such a good job with, you know, the big feelings of being a teenager. Yeah. And falling in love with somebody as a teenager and figuring that out. And then I don't want to say it got lost when they became adults and you meet them again, but it was kind of just like, Okay, suddenly they're back together and they're back together. Right. But also, like, why? You know, they're different people now. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think I would be really interested in hearing from Carly Fortune on whether that was deliberate or not. Like, if she wrote the big feelings in the young parts because young people feel things really big. Mm -hmm. And if if that was deliberate or not, like, I'd be really interested to know if it was because it almost felt like it was Mm -hmm. because you know things are just a little more simple as you get older or you're able to think about things more simply than just like purely driven by all these big feelings I don't know yeah yeah I can see that I think what got me with every summer after is so much like as soon as Sam sees Percy again he's just like fully in already yeah, and and we find out that so spoiler 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 if you have not read big reveal coming. Yeah. So we find out that the reason that Sam and Percy originally broke up is because the the first year that they were really actually officially for real together was really complicated because Sam went off to do this like pre-med program. Yeah, this like, like a workshop pre- thing, like a pre-college like boot camp camp it's like when this is actually funny do you remember in perks of being a wallflower when sam another sam also goes to uh penn state yeah 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 yeah. it's like it's some like pre-college program yeah which i'm like thing. did those exist that didn't exist for ut did it mm-hmm. i didn't hear about that but it was like for sam it was like he was a genius so he right. got into this pre-college program for sam in perks of being a wallflower it was like she had to prove herself more right. that she could go to Penn State or whatever. It was yeah, th- both things I have never heard of. Regardless, Sam is away at this program that he didn't tell her about. That he didn't tell Percy about. And so and they're what 17, 18 here somewhere thereabouts. 
Mm-hmm. Percy's getting ready to go to a different college than Sam is. Mm-hmm. Um, but Sam did not tell Percy that he got into this program. Percy thought they were going to have all summer together before um, before having to spend the school year apart, which she's very anxious about, understandably. Um, and so, like, things are really complicated and Sam's not really communicating with Percy while he's at this program. There's a girl at the program that Percy is suspicious of. So, like... Percy is feeling like mad insecure, mad anxious, and she's a teenager. Yes. And so Percy is left with Charlie, Sam's older brother, mm-hmm. uh, who is a flirt and always has been. But she starts to figure out like, oh, he's actually like kind and he's like really helping me out while I'm having a hard time. Mm-hmm. And... The big teenage feelings lead to the two of them sleeping together. Percy immediately regrets it, has a panic attack. It's all very sad and bad. And like Abigail said, like, Carly Fortune writes these big feelings so well. Mm-hmm. But we find out in in present day when, when Sam and Percy are reunited, you know, Percy admits this is what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, this is why I broke up with you because then they break up a few months later. After... Um, Sam proposes to her. Yeah, which I'm like, okay, slow your roll. You guys are too young, but yeah. okay, whatever. B- big teenage feelings. Big teenage feelings. Um, And Sam reveals that he knew all along. I want to fight this man. Yeah, and I'm like, why didn't you tell her? <laughs> because but- she does tell him, and he gets very angry and upset, which... It makes it, when you read it, you're like, oh, so he didn't know. And, like, I understand this reaction. And then later on, you're like, oh, he did know. And it feels dishonest. It feels gross. It does feel gross. Um, I think, like, his emotional reaction, he later explains as being like, sorry, I was just, like, reliving it and I got riled up again. Which is also reasonable. But, like, at this point, they've been together for, like, days. Right, right. What, what, like, and Percy, we, we only get Percy's inner monologue. We don't get Sam's, Mm -hmm. but Percy has been like working her way up to being like, okay, I know I have to tell him. I have to tell him. Mm -hmm. And she's just been like fucking going through it. And Sam knew the whole time. And I'm like, come on, man. So circling way back to the reason I brought this up, I think like the part of this It both feels believable and not believable that they're just immediately back together because, like, on Sam's end, he's already processed all of this Mm. and he's ready to move past it. Mm -hmm. Um, But since we didn't see that, it feels really rushed to the reader, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Because we only get Percy's side of things. Yeah, that's fair. I think for Sam's situation, too, it's... He has a girlfriend at the moment. And, like, it's not going great. Yeah. But just, he just immediately breaks it off. Mm -hmm. He tells his friends, I think I want to get involved with Percy again. His friends are like, you sure? Yeah. Buddy, you, you, I mean, you, you okay? Yeah. Also, I just, thinking about it, if I was in, and, you know, this is a romance novel. I can't put too much stock into it. But it's like, if you did have this massive breakup with somebody 10 years ago, Would you still feel this way, I guess? Okay. Who knows how much of this we'll have to edit out, but I'm going to talk about another reason I think I like this book so much. So Mm. um, I'm not going to say too much. (laughs) 
Um, but I had a very significant relationship that did not start as young as Sam and Percy's did, but start this person I met, I we were 17 and we were together off and on for a lot of our young adult life is what I'm going to say. And so a lot of, you know, I've mentioned that there's controversy surrounding this book. A lot of the controversy is around not liking the cheating plotline, mm-hmm. um, which I understand, but I think I think it's silly to discount a book for the choices that a character makes. Mm-hmm. I think if you're going to discount a book, it should be because it doesn't make sense or the writing style is bad or whatever. Can't fault the character or mm-hmm. you can't fault the author for the choices the character makes if it still feels true. Sure. To the story, in my opinion. But I think a reason that I liked this book a lot is because of those big teenage feelings that don't always make sense and you don't always have control over your actions. But also because when you have a relationship that spans that much time, even if during a lot of that time you were not together – I think a formative relationship is a formative relationship mm-hmm. and it and it stick the feelings stick with you. Yeah. You know, and I think anyone who has had a relationship that's even like partially similar to Sam and Percy's where it is this sort of like there's this pining and like can we be together? Can we not be together? Let's try. Not going to work. Let's try. Not going to work. I don't think that feeling ever like really goes away Mm. even if it's been quite a long time and this is you know I have not been romantically involved with the person that I'm talking about here in six years um and I met Ryan five years ago um but there's still a lot of really complicated feelings involved right of like someone who meant a lot to you at a really formative age Mm. and Mm -hmm. was important in your development in terms of romantic relationships. Yeah. And so that's why it sort of feels believable to me that the feelings between Sam and Percy remain extremely um, involved, I guess. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. It's hard make to sense. talk about without revealing too much on a podcast, but <laughs> that makes it sound like I was asking a very leading Oprah like question. Katie, unpack your. Uh- Past lives. No, I, I, I knew, I knew I wanted to talk about this because I do think it, it plays a lot into why I, why I like this book so much. Why, why I like both of these Carly Fortune books. Mm. I think because it plays into that very specific feeling that I think is like perhaps hard to understand if you haven't had a relationship like that. Yeah, I think you're right. I don't have a lot of relationships like that. I've never at any romantic relationship I've had has ended i'm not really in contact with any of them anymore um and like that's okay i have a very even with friendships i don't have a lot of friends that have continued on from high school or college um you know for reasons that are good or just things died out or whatever you know it doesn't really matter um i feel like a lot of times i have a very like eyes forward personality i really i don't dwell um for better or worse. And so I think it is hard for me to put myself in the shoes of somebody like Percy where, you know, I did have this big formative relationship and I think I would have treated it like, well, that's the end of it and something happened and 
that's it. We had our shot. We blew it. I'm going to move on with my life and try not to think about it so hard. And so, and I see this come up with myself a lot, whether it's, you know, with friendships or even family or anything like that. And, you know, sometimes I wish I wasn't like that. I wish I would let myself have the big feelings about it and linger, but I just, I don't. And I think if I was, if I was in this book, which it doesn't matter, but if I was in this book, I wouldn't be in this book. That's how it is. I wouldn't be in this book. Right. Yeah. 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 I don't, I don't know. It's, it's a hard thing to put into words, but it's just more like, well, for one thing, I wish I was more eyes forward because lingering on some of these big feelings from when I was 17 and 22 and Mm -hmm. 25 and but they also make sense (laughs) maybe the happy medium is somewhere in between me and Katie right but they do make sense I mean these are big feelings in very formative parts of your life right and a lot of my big feelings of things I've just kind of packed away and that's okay in some time in some cases maybe but you know there's arguments to be had for both of you know taking an experience and appreciating it for what it is and letting yourself be sad, happy, whatever about it. Um, But, you know, there's also something to say about not lingering on it and moving on. And, you know, I get, I get both sides of it. And I think it, I think it makes sense. And I think, yeah, Yeah. if you have somebody in your life who was, you know, your best friend for six years and then your boyfriend that you thought you were going to be with forever and I do remember those feelings. I mm-hmm. thought I was going to be with my high school boyfriend forever. Oh, yeah. Obviously, yeah. that didn't work out. Right. For better. Good reasons. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was fine, but, like, he was my high school boyfriend. Right. Like, yeah, it's fine. Great high school boyfriend. Perhaps not. No. Not, not your husband. Nope. That's And that's <laughs> totally fine. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I, you know, I don't know. I, I think, too, falling for someone at such a young age in this book they're what like 13 when they when they meet mm-hmm. so, thereabouts is different than falling for someone as a grown-up and I think it's because those those young teenage feelings are so big mm-hmm. and they feel so so all-encompassing when it's happening that I think that that like sort of affects your ability to move on from it in the way that you could move on from like a a grown-up relationship that makes sense because even now like you know talking about like lingering i think for a long time i lingered on that relationship for for bad reasons Mm -hmm. and then you know after i met ryan and started like fucking moving on with my life i lingered on it in terms of like what did this teach me what did i learn how is it affecting my current relationship Mm -hmm. you know like all these different things like unpacking the different pieces of it and we're not able to do that when we're like 14 or 15 or even I wasn't able to do that when I was like 25 and I was with this person Mm -hmm. um so I I think it like I think we it's easy to get blinded by those big feelings even when I am fully like now an almost 32 year old woman and I think about this relationship and I remember like I remember being 17 yeah I don't think about again when I was 21 and it was bad or when I was 23 and it was bad when I was 25 and it was bad yeah I think the other thing of this that I just I can't imagine having this happen and then not talking to somebody for 10 years I just can't and we've talked about this a lot on the podcast of like 
I like an action. I will be confrontational about it, at least in like, hey, what the hell? Like, what's going on? Or do you even just like, like if I right. want to talk to somebody, I will. And I will put all embarrassment aside. And I'm not good at being indirect. Mm. But I just can't imagine having this massive breakup. I'm still, as Percy says in the book, crying and throwing up over it like a year later. And then just like not doing anything about it, you yeah. know? See, I can because I did that with yeah. this person and it did not but then I did have the confrontational conversation and that didn't go well either so <laughs> but now you know but now so. I know exactly so I don't like not knowing right and that was what that that was what led me to linger on it in that unhealthy way for so long mm-hmm. because there was this like unknown and I think that's what both this book and meet me at the lake really capture well is that melancholy of like I don't believe in closure. I don't think closure is a thing. Mm. Um, See, I do. Like, well, I don't believe in it in terms of like you need to like have some conversation and get some resolution Mm. out of it. Like, I think you can get it for yourself. Yeah. Which is what I sort of realized when I had this conversation with this person where I was like, I'm never going to get, well, I did get some resolution out of it. Yeah. I'm not going to cut that out. (laughs) I did get some very satisfying resolution out of it. But for the most part, for the most part, that conversation made me realize that the closure was about me, mm-hmm. like moving on with whatever my feelings were. Um, and I think both of these book, both Every Summer After and Meet Me at the Lake, which we haven't talked about that much, but I think they both kind of capture that like that in-between space of wanting that closure but not really – knowing what to do to get it or like the unknown of it all or like feeling like you need something but you're not really sure what Mm -hmm. um i think it captures that sort of melancholy pretty well let's talk about let's talk about the cheating aspect of this book so basically toward the end of this book in the past timeline it's revealed that percy slept with charlie while sam was off doing his pre-college program and basically like not ghosting her, but just like not talking really to her. Really pulling away. Yeah, really pulling away, not calling her back, going like days without being like, hey, I'm at my dorm. Or... And then saying like, I think we should only talk on the phone once a week, like telling her this over email Yeah, in a way that really felt like a, not a breakup, but like very close to one. I really dislike the way Carly Fortune's men treat their women. Yeah. Um... I, I, and I feel like in this book, it's almost treated like Sam is being reasonable. This is not reasonable. No, but then I'm putting on my, like, he's an 18 year old boy hat. Yeah. You know, and then the, you, you kind of have to think about it in a, is, is this a reasonable way for a teenager to act? Yes, that's true. Yeah. You know? Yes. You're not wrong. And I think, no, you're not wrong at all. I think, Carly Fortune. I don't like it either. No, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you got to look at the context, you know. I almost feel like the tone of the book and the way Sam treats Percy later on is that it's all Percy's fault almost. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Of like especially with Sam revealing that he knew the whole time. Um that feels dishonest and punishing to Percy. And like, yeah, she fucked up. Like, you know, this wasn't a great situation by any means. Right. But Sam is not not at fault too. This is 
this is like 80% of my issue with all the people who are fully discounting this book simply because of the cheating mm. plot line. Yeah. Because, A, like I said earlier, I think if you're going to hate on a book, you should hate on the writing style, the plot doesn't make sense, the characters are poorly written, whatever. Mm. I don't think you can discount a book for the actions that a character takes if those actions make sense within mm-hmm. the story. You cannot like it and you cannot like the character, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's fair to be like one star because of the cheating. Yeah. Like that's bullshit to me. The other the other reason that I hate all the hate that this book is getting is I'm like, not to condone cheating, but for one thing, she's 17 or 18. Yeah. Not a fully formed frontal lobe. No. <laughs> no. Not thinking about consequences the way that people with fully formed frontal lobes think about consequences. And she's hurt right now. And she's hurt because Sam is not treating her well. And that, like I said, that email, while I didn't read it as like a breakup, Mm -hmm. like me putting myself in 17-year-old Katie's brain and body, I would be like, he's breaking up with me. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And I'm not going to say that I would do exactly what Percy did, but I'm not going to say I wouldn't. She's hurt, you know? Like, I think within the context, her actions make sense. And I'm not saying it's good. No. No, I'm not saying we have to like it. Right. And I'm not blaming Sam, but I'm not not blaming Sam. Yes. His actions contributed to what happened. Yes. Certainly. And I think, yeah, like I said, I feel like this book treats it almost like like Sam didn't do anything that bad and Percy just did this horrible thing and that exactly. it's almost just like punishing her for the entire book. I don't like how it was treated as this kind of mystery of what happened. Mm. Like maybe I would feel differently had I gone had we gone into the book and like there's hints about it like I called it she's going to sleep with Charlie. Yeah. It's going to suck. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty obvious. But, but I, that's cuz we've read books like this before where it's yeah. like if there are two brothers and they're both hot like that's true. We know how this story goes. Charlie does sound hot. He does. I would have a crush on him. Uh, yeah, I would go for Charlie over Sam, to be honest with you. I mean, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> but that's that's me always going for the uh, least healthy option. <laughs> the bad option. <laughs> but I think the whole book is almost like, yeah, it's almost like punishing Percy for this choice she made at 18. That was, you know, her fault, but not her fault. It's, it's, it's complicated. And I don't like that it's treated as a mystery of like, what happened? Right. How did Percy fuck this up so badly? That's that's reasonable. I liked the I I kind of liked not knowing because I knew I already knew. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that didn't really bother me that much. But I yeah, I think you're also hitting on something that also makes me kind of annoyed about the hate on this book mm-hmm. is I'm like she's a fucking teenager. Like what kind of shit did you do at 18 that you don't want to hang over your head forever? I did cheat a on whole, a boyfriend at 18. So did I. <laughs> and does that mean we're not, like, good people now? Like, I'm almost 32. That was so long ago. It was almost 14 years ago. Yeah. But yeah, like, I'm not interested in continuing to be held responsible for decisions I made when I was, like, not a child, but, like, very close to one. Yeah. I was an idiot. Yeah. I didn't know what the fuck I was doing until, like, two or three years ago, to be honest with you. <laughs> Do any of us know what's going on anymore? No. Not Probably at all. five years from now, I'm going to be like, I didn't know what was going on five years ago. Eh, it's fine. <laughs>
whatever. We're just floating through life. <laughs> just a bag of meat. Yeah. Um, also, adult Sam pisses me off, too. Yeah. Okay, I also was reading some Goodreads, Goodreads reviews of people who didn't like uh, that they hooked up in the car on the day of his mom's funeral. I And I'm mm, like, clearly none of y'all have ever been in, like, really emotionally fraught situations before, because sometimes you just do shit that doesn't make sense. Yeah, that didn't... I was like, hmm, a little weird. But maybe not a great choice, yeah. but do I understand it? Yeah. You're emotional. You're grabbing on to something that makes you feel good. Yeah, you know. I'm not mad about it. They're they're both kind of fucked up, and it's... Percy's going through it. Yeah. Sam's going through it. Yeah. It makes sense. I don't know. I was yeah. like, okay, one, somebody's going to walk out of this motel and see you, though. That seems... I, yeah. That that was kind of the only thought of, like... Oh, you I know, to I go like, to just the, go in the room. Yeah, go to the bedroom. It's yeah. It's literally right there. Yeah. But then that's making a true conscious choice. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about the elephant in the room, and then I want to talk about Meet Me at the Lake. All right. So... Elephant in the room is that the majority of the reason for the hate on this book is because a lot of people are reasonably pointing out the similarities between this book and Christina Lauren's Love in Other Words, which came out in 2018. This book, right? Yeah, 2018. This book came out in 2022. I'm like, what year is it? (laughs) As you started saying it, I was like, fuck, when is it? Yeah, I was like, 2020, 2021? What was last year? (laughs) So four years apart between these books, presumably with enough time for Carly Fortune to have read Love in Other Words. Obviously, Mm -hmm. we don't know if she has read Love in Other Words. Carly, let us know. But the similarities are absolutely there. It's a vacation home. It's this dual same timeline then and now. It's a girl who meets a boy as and they're both teenagers and they become friends and then more. And then there is... an emotionally fraught breakup um and then in the current times they are reconnected Mm -hmm. um so the similarities are there you recently read love in other words i read it when it came out five Mm -hmm. years ago and never touched it again Mm -hmm. Uh, and so i am rereading it i'm about halfway through but as i was telling you before we started recording since it's been so long since i've read it it's like almost like reading it new another time. So I don't remember the exact plot pieces toward the end. Mm -hmm. And also that book isn't what this episode is about, so we shouldn't give away spoilers anyway. So let's talk around it a little bit. Yeah. But I'll share my thoughts and then I want to know yours. Mm -hmm. The books, while similar, feel very – like similar in structure and plot, feel very – spiritually different to me in that the characters feel quite different mm-hmm. um the writing is certainly very different mm-hmm. um but i think the thing that i'm going to say that differentiates the two of these a lot for me um and i'm not discounting the fact that the plots are similar it just doesn't really bother me that much because they f- the books feel different the experience of reading it feels different mm-hmm. enough because for me Every Summer After feels very, like, magical, dream world, flowery writing, beautiful descriptions of things and feelings and places and people. It feels a little fantastical escapist to me. Love, in other words, feels a little more like something that would happen in real life. And they feel more like normal people and it's less less jazzed up. Mm. Mm-hmm. 
and that's that's where I'm at on on the this the differences. Mm. But I'm interested in your thoughts because you recently read this and you finished it, but don't spoil anything. Yeah, yeah I don't want to spoil anything. I will I will say I think where I enjoyed Love in Other Words more is that both sets of characters, young and old, older, I don't want to say old, they're in like their 30s, mm-hmm. um, both of them in Love in Other Words feel more complete. Yeah, more characters. three-dimensional for sure. Yes, more three-dimensional. I think the conflict between the adult versions of themselves in Love in Other Words, I think it makes a little bit more sense. There's still kind of the same, and this isn't a spoiler, it's in the beginning of the book, there's still the same, like, ghosting element of, like, they had a breakup Mm -hmm. and they haven't talked since, and then now they're reconnecting as adults, and, you know, that's just not my favorite, because, again, I like an action, I am more confrontational, I can't imagine just somebody disappearing from my life and me going on years and years and not trying to find out why. Yeah, there's also still that element of mystery of not knowing. Mm Mm-hmm why they broke up exactly we we learn early on that elliot the lead the male lead in love in other words broke up with macy mm-hmm. um the female lead but we don't know why yeah yeah another trope that is not my favorite yeah she is also macy is also engaged to someone else so that adds a layer of complication here yeah and i think with that you know i think adult macy is such a a mess in a way that makes sense to me yes as somebody who is in her 30s has gone through a lot is trying to figure out her life and what she wants it to look like it all makes sense to me yeah this actually love in other words actually feels more like you know i say i say that it feels more like real life because Reading Love in Other Words feels more like the actual realistic representation of what it was like going back and forth with that relationship that I talked about earlier and like mm-hmm. seeing him and being like, do we fit in each other's life as friends? Like, mm-hmm. what is this like? And unpacking all of that. We also spend more time with adult Elliot and adult Macy. There yes. is a lot more time for their relationship to redevelop in a way that makes sense. And I, I'm interested to see what you think once you get to the final kind of reveal of the conflict and what it is. Because it is not dissimilar mm-hmm. to Every Summer After in some ways. Yeah, and- like like I was telling you earlier, like, even though, like I said, I don't remember how this ends and exactly what happens. Like, there's still that element of, like, Macy is with another person, mm-hmm. but she's having feelings for this guy and i'm like if you're gonna hate on one of the characters for cheating you have to hate on them all yeah you know like even though at where i am in the book nothing has happened but she has feelings for this person Mm -hmm. like i don't know i just i'm just annoyed about the hate because i'm like both books can be good you know like they're both allowed to be good and like people coming at carly fortune for like plagiarism I'm like, I don't know. Like, have you read a romance novel before? Everyone yeah. lifts from each other. Like, the, there are like 10 total romance plot lines and every author out there is just riffing on those same stories. Yeah, this is a genre of tropes. Right. And that's just, that's basically partially what this podcast is about. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm j- I just like, 
I just don't think it's useful to throw hate at something that is perfectly fine. No, I I agree. I don't think it deserves hate. Do I think love, in other words, is better? Yes. I think it's a it's a different strokes kind of scenario because, like I said, like every summer after for me feels like very like magical mm-hmm. escapist dream world. This yeah. would never happen in real life, but I like to read about it. Yeah. And love, in other words, feels more real. Yeah. And so I think it's kind of like, what do you prefer? I always go toward the like fantastical over the top. So of course I like every summer after. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I think at the at the core of it, did I believe? in Sam and Percy getting back together. No, I was like, this is a bad choice, you guys. We right. got some stuff to work through. Did I believe in Elliot and Macy getting back together? That one I believed a little bit right. more toward yeah. the end. That's not a spoiler. They get together. Obviously. It's always true. <laughs> Obviously. They all that's kind of the point. Yeah. So um, so yeah. Yeah, I yeah, I think it's I think it's really as with anything, it's just like a personal, like whatever you prefer. I just don't fucking like people calling Carly Fortune like a plagiarizer. No, everyone in this genre is a plagiarizer. And, then. like, in, uh, there's no such thing as a new idea ever. No, there's not. So, like, if Carly Fortune's a plagiarizer, so are the fucking rest of us. Yes. And, like, again, this is, like, very woo-woo, but, like, any person who has worked on a creative project knows that sometimes the creative project just goes where it goes. Mm-hmm. And you just... Let it usher it along. And so I don't think it's fair to hold her responsible for decisions that her characters make because they make sense in the context of the story. Yes, I agree. Like, that's so stupid to me. I'm sorry. I just like, this driving me fucking nuts reading these Goodreads <laughs> reviews because I'm like, if it didn't make sense, if it was something totally off base mm-hmm. for Percy to do, then yeah. Yeah. Hate on Carly Fortune for it because that means the book was not well put together. Right. But it makes sense for the character. Yeah. So, shut up. And on that note. (laughs) Okay, I'm fired up. Let's talk about Meet Me at the Lake. Okay, also, I read Goodreads reviews for this and people were like, ugh, another Carly Fortune cheating book. And I'm like, let the girl live. I understand that a little bit. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, two is a pattern, but like... Two two is a pattern. The first one worked really well, so why wouldn't you try to do it again? (laughs) Okay, so... These books feel like carbon copies of each other at points. They do. And I understand why people are annoyed. Yeah. I I did not like Meet Me at the Lake as much. I I liked our main character. I liked Fern. I liked Fern through most of it. Yeah. I liked and Fern at the in end, the first half. Yeah. She lost me yeah. a bit. I liked young Fern. Okay, so... I texted you very – so this is something we have to talk about. So I texted you early on, and I told you that I was very early in the book. Yes. So I was like, please do not hold this against me. If it turns if out she this sucks. changes. But Fern in the first part of the book, mainly like older Fern, mm-hmm. reminded me – well, both Ferns – reminded me a lot of you. And I wrote down – what did I write? I didn't write it specifically about you, but I was like leaving notes – well, she's a little melancholy. Yeah. She fucking loves a playlist. I do love a playlist. She loves gin and tonics. I do love gin and tonics. <laughs> Fuck. So there were just a few things that I was like, huh. Yeah. I know her. Huh. <laughs> hmm. And the like, um, 
she was just having like the way she reacted in a lot of the situations she was put in just reminded me of you. She was feeling really like complicated about like this big change happening in her life. And um, she's like exploring the city and like this guy. I don't know. Like I just the the whole kind of period where she like initially meets Will and they spend this day together. That was really when I was like, there's some personality parallels here. And then kind of lost it later on. But in that first part of the book, I was like, yeah, there's some Abigail in here. Hmm. Yeah. We haven't necessarily met an Abigail in a book. No, no. Except for a Nora. That's true. But then I was telling you that I feel like I identify a little more with Percy. So it's very much uh, which Carly Fortune heroine are you? Yeah. I'm with you in that I see some of myself in beginnings of fern mm-hmm. i think especially younger fern um which yeah I, and that like few day period yeah which i am closer in age to younger fern i guess than older fern. It's true yeah so because younger fern is 22 older fern is 32 yeah so oh i might no not quite in the middle almost 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 exactly yep yeah so this this book is super similar like you said Instead of, you know, split timeline between over a few years in one and then one present timeline, we've got one day in the past and then over the course of a few months in the present. Yeah. And we got another family business. We got a single mom who had a relationship with a guy that worked for her. Yeah, there's like big Mamma Mia vibes going on (laughs) through sections of this book, which I kind of, that was kind of, I really liked the relationship between Fern and Peter, who is her faux dad, not her dad, mm-hmm. like yeah. a fill-in dad, bonus dad. I wanted more of Peter. I, I feel know like I we loved never, him. I, we never got to know who he really was, other than the side character who makes sourdough and loved her mom and yeah. is like a surrogate dad and super charming side character. Love him. Yeah. So much of this book felt really similar, where it almost felt like Carly Fortune had a contract to fulfill yeah it it does almost seem like and i wonder how much of this is could have been her versus how much was like pressure from like publishers agents the general public Mm -hmm. whatever to be like okay ever some every summer after was like lightning in a bottle let's capture it keep going again yeah i imagine i mean pretty much every author's second but like that sophomore slump it's like called that for a reason right yeah yeah um so it's like almost never going to be as good right but did you overall like the experience of reading this book cuz i did i liked it and then at the end i was angry mhm so should we go ahead and just talk about that yeah spo- spoiler 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 again so this is one that i'm like you know, on the one hand, don't get mad at the actions of the characters, but this action of this character did not fully fit. I for me. was furious. This is again, I. So we've got Will and Fern who have reconnected at her. We've got another dead mom. Yeah. Um, who have reconnected at her mother's resort that Fern has decided she's going to take over around the middle part of the book. That's kind of a conflict. She doesn't know if she wants to do it. Mm-hmm. She decides she does. Will is helping her like redesign it or whatever they never really do any fucking work no they just like have sex in the cabin and kind of like fuck around and talk about how fern's sleeping until 10 a.m and i'm like she's got a lot of work to do (laughs) like there's stuff going on 
you know? Yeah, your, your, your note here says, Fern sure is fucking around a lot for someone with a big job to do. Yeah, she's got staff members who are relying on her. Like, yeah. at one point in the book, she talks about when she announces to the staff that she's taking over the resort. And some guy who is correct is like, what makes you qualified to do this? Right. And she's like, I was so nervous, but I made it. I made a case for myself and whatnot. And like, because she's like a barista. Yeah, she's like, you know, like a high up barista. Right. She's trying to open her own coffee shop and whatnot. She right. like works for a fancy company or whatever. And like, sure, that makes you qualified in some ways, but like, that guy's fucking right. Yeah, she's yeah. like running around with Will having sex in like the canoe cabin or whatever. Right. Oh, they almost do. They don't. They yeah, make whatever. out or something. Whatever. Something I like don't that. know. They they fool around. They I don't f- know. They fool around and. Don't seem to do a lot of actual work. But the thing that infuriates me is Will ghosts her. Yeah, so they're like basically living together. Yeah. At this point, they've been together for some weeks and for it's like all happy. It's very happy and sweet. It's really nice. Yeah. And then she wakes up the morning of this big dance on the resort. Yeah. And Will is gone. And she is very confused because he's not supposed to leave for, like, two days. And so she's calling him and she's calling him and she's calling him. And then she doesn't hear from him until, like, 12 hours later. And he's, like, so he has a niece. Mm -hmm. And he lives with his sister and his niece. And they're very close and whatnot. And so turns out the niece is sick. So he's with her in the hospital. But he doesn't fucking tell her. Yeah, this is the thing. This is a reasonable thing to get mad at a character for doing because this is an adult man, and and we've learned that throughout the entire course of this book that Will is a stand up guy. Like he's a good dude. Yeah, with good intentions. Yeah, and then doing this does not fit to me with the character that Will has been portrayed as being up until this point. Carly Fortune gives Will... Oh, well, this is going against everything we've said. Everyone in this book gives Will too much grace. Yeah. Everyone in this book gives Will way too much grace. He even gives himself too much grace where he's like... He says a lot that his niece and his sister have been a problem in other relationships that he's had. No, they're not the problem. He's the problem. Yeah, exactly. And this was where I was getting so angry, where he was like... People just have a problem with it. They can't understand that I live with my sister and I want to take care of my niece and whatnot. And it's like, no, because you do things like this and you ghost somebody. And it seems like this is something he's like kind of done before. Right. To where... Well, I mean, he did it literally the first time yes. that he and Fern were together because that was when he found out that his sister was pregnant. He ghosted her then. Yeah. Which that feels more reasonable yes. because you're like a 22-year-old guy and... You're having to like now be like a surrogate dad, basically. Yeah. That that one's reasonable. That one I understand. You know, not not great, but I understand it. Yeah, makes sense to me. This does not make sense because, yes, like you said, like he is like explaining away, like you know, women just don't understand this. But like all of his other actions are it are overwhelmingly like he seems to really care about Fern. Yes. Um, like in their relationship and he seems to have good intentions. And so this butts up against that. For It felt like it was like kind of out of left field. Yeah, to the point where Will's sister has to intervene. And God, I hated her at first. I thought she was such an asshole. And like, we don't really get to know her. So, you know, I mean, yeah. if she was a real person, I'm sure she's lovely. But <laughs> I hate the point where she comes up in the book and is like, 
you have to understand this about Will. Like, he's a great guy and whatnot. And, like, he's not going to explain this to you. So that's why I'm here. And I want you to show up to the house the next day. Yeah. And I was like, well, he, sh- he should explain it to her. Yeah. You shouldn't have to do this. Yeah. Like, thanks for the heads up. But this is not your job. And Fern going to his house, finding Will, like, a mess and upset because of everything going on. And missing Fern and whatnot. And Fern being like, I'm in love with you, even though, you, one, you just pulled this big stunt. And B, one and B, one and two, <laughs> two. Abigail's fired up now. I am fired up. <laughs> I got really angry reading this book. I mean, right after she found out that he had lied and he did go to the resort when they were supposed to meet up and she, he never told her. Mm-hmm. And I don't think, I think those two things, finding them out right next to each other, I don't think I would forgive this person. I don't think so either. And Fern is just immediately like, I'm in love with you. I know you so well. One, these people have spent like a total of three months together. Yes. Okay. This was the thing that like, neither of us like like an insta love, right? And that's what the foundation of this relationship was, Mm -hmm. of course. And so even though they did have these nice like couple months together at the resort, it just, it all feels very tenuous. And yeah, I'm like, you don't know this person. Yeah. Also, I'm like, God, we're in our 30s. Like, we don't, we don't have time for this. Come, like, come on. <laughs> what are we doing here? Also, it turns out the niece was in the hospital. This is not important. It she was out, fine. So, so, well, she had meningitis. Yeah, but like, isn't meningitis pretty bad? But didn't he say, like, it got, like, whatever it was, like... She was out with, like, in a few days, and then... Yeah, like, he found out pretty quickly on that it, like, wasn't... She was gonna be okay. Right. (laughs) What got me was when Annabelle is going to basically confront Fern at her house, which she got the address from Fern's old boss. Mm -hmm. Very unsafe. Yeah. Don't give out somebody's address. That's crazy. Uh, she's like, Sophia's well enough to go to her dad's. I'm going out with my girlfriends. And I was like, your kid was just in the hospital. I'm not going to, like, critique a mother, I guess. But also, I was like, this is a weird choice for you. Yeah, I I think that's part of the reason I was like, okay, well, it seems like the kid was fine. So then, like, why is Will being such a fucking psycho about it? Yeah. Like, I don't... I... mm. It's just like... as we've said before, we don't like when the conflicts are stupid, and this is stupid. The whole conflict could have just been resolved if he had just shot her a text like, I'm so sorry. And Sophia's even in the hospital. That I gotta one, go. That one I would even believe more had she known the full time of like, oh my gosh, his niece is in the hospital. Right. Um, and then he, you know, maybe pushes her away as she's trying to help. That I understand. That would make sense to me. That would make sense for the character, too. Yes. The whole disappearing act, the whole him being angry when she finally gets a hold of him and is like, where are you? Because you know, because you know what that implies, like this entire for a lot of the book, um, there's this this push and pull between, as you've said, the, the it's come up with relationships in the past where, you know, Sophia and Annabelle get in the way of Will being with whatever woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's overall this push and pull question about priorities but, like, Will is, like, telling Fern that she's his priority. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that's what I mean when I'm talking about, like, the the this decision doesn't make sense because then he goes back on that and he's like, actually, no, never mind. Yeah. And that's the thing that pisses me off is that Fern is, like, pretty explicitly told, you're not my priority. And mm-hmm. then she just stays with him. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's believable – 
as a conflict to have, I guess, kind of like all the pieces together mm-hmm. instead of him just like, disip- this is where I'm like, okay, this is not a conflict. This is a you problem. Yes. Like, yeah. You have made it a you problem. I can understand the conflict of like, I have to be with my niece right now. This is my priority. Fern maybe not understanding that, that being the conflict. The conflict is that he just left. And that's a him problem. Mm-hmm. And I just, I, and then I can't forgive it. I don't know. Yeah. I yeah. I want to fight Will Baxter. I can't stand this man. <laughs> he feels like a man child. Yeah, he's not, he's not a great, uh, not a great male, male lead. I don't want to shit on this book, but. No, I, I overall, I, I really like Carly Fortune as a writer. So mm-hmm. the experience of reading her books are a positive experience for me because the bitch can turn a phrase. Mm-hmm. So while I enjoyed reading the book, I don't know if I liked the book, if that makes sense. No, that does make sense. Yeah. And I have books like that too where it's like, okay, I enjoyed reading it. Like I think my biggest example that I – a book I talk about a lot is True Biz. Mm-hmm. Um, a book I – there were some big plot points I didn't really like, but I really enjoyed reading it. You know? Right. Yeah. So like, I, I – you're glad you read it, but you maybe wouldn't reread it or maybe wouldn't recommend it or or maybe would recommend it, but with the caveat, like, you let me, True Biz, so. Yeah, that's that's one I recommend a lot, but with the caveat of I don't love how it ended. Right. Um, But I th- still think it's worth reading. Yeah. So I think that's I think that's totally a valid place to land on a book. I, I really like Carly Fortune's writing. I really like her writing. I want her to stop doing a split timeline. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm really interested to see what the next book is. I'd like to see her do something a little different because I do really like her and I'm rooting for her. Yeah. I love I love the lake setting. We can stay mm-hmm. at the lake. That's great. Yeah. She writes she writes feelings really well. You know, we've yeah. talked about how much we like Abby Jimenez writing big feelings and mm-hmm. i think i think i would put carly fortune up there with the good at writing feelings and nostalgia and heartbreak and yearning and all mm-hmm. of those things yeah so yeah i'm a fan i'm i don't know i don't know if i'm a fan because <laughs> you're right she can turn a phrase she's great with emotions she's great with setting um but i don't know this one this one i'd I the first like three fourths of it, I was like, you know what, it's it's a little slow, but I'm in. Mm-hmm. I get it. Fern needs to get her shit together, but so does Will. And then it was just like everything felt like it like crashed and burned at the end, where it was like, Fern, why do you want to be with this man? Yeah, so he that- needs to get his shit together. He can't make a decision. And also, then at the epilogue, it's like, oh, they're he's moving to the lake with her. Yeah, and, like, that was a lot. And now they're getting married, and now they're gonna have a baby, and like. Yeah, this, you guys don't know each other. <laughs> yeah, and this guy did a big thing that doesn't make sense. I find there's a lot of red flags you're ignoring. Importantly, I read "Meet Me at the Lake" and then reread "Every Summer After," and you read "Every Summer After" and mm. then "Meet Me at the Lake." So I have the better book fresh in my mind, and you have the worse book fresh in your mind. Oh yeah, I finished this last night. Yeah, so, uh, so I'm like, yeah, I love Carly Fortune. So that's true. That's true. And I, I did enjoy "Every Summer After." I really did. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's a it's it's a I I really like it. I'll probably it might be like a every, a summer reread yeah. for me just because it's it's easy mm-hmm. and like I said the writing's really beautiful. It's got my my copy's got post it flags all yeah. up in it. So yeah, do you like that I did blue post it flags for the blue book and pink ones for the pink book? Love it. 
It took you a while to flag something and meet me at the lake. I was waiting for it, and then it was like 80 pages in. I don't know if I had my flags with me when I was reading the first part of it, because I think I started it on vacation. Your first flag was the best one, where it's Fern telling uh, Will, listen, I gotta go. I'm drunk, and you're too tall. <laughs> yeah, that is. That's your best flag. <laughs> that is really good. Okay, yeah. Good, good work done today. Katie, what are you reading right now? Oh, let's, yeah, let's get Katie get on your soapbox. Here we go. Um, okay, so I, for one thing, I would like to relay to the people that June Katie has read almost a book a day. My God, I know. June Abigail has not. I I have been really. I was telling you this yesterday, but I have been really protecting my peace this mm-hmm. month. Um, I've been a big homebody. I've been prioritizing time with myself doing shit that I feel like doing. Um, And apparently that shit is reading everything I can get my hands on. Um, So the bitch is back. The bitch is back. Usually I read the most in like January Mm -hmm. because I'm out of school and then June and July because I'm out of school. So so I will say that I read, I just want to quickly mention i read the second trish dollar book the sweet spot which was really nice Mm, mm -hmm. um i really liked float plan as i've mentioned before on this podcast and this is the story of one of the of of this is the story of the sister of Mm -hmm. the main character in float plan Mm -hmm. um it's set in like fuck i already forgot like ohio um (laughs) i have not read a romance set in ohio (laughs) me neither but it's like on this little like island on a lake where this man is opening like a brewery slash hotel and the woman like helps him it's very nice very quaint but i'm here to ride hard so hard predictably for ashley poston's new book i would die for ashley poston she i don't know what she puts in these books man I have never <laughs> cried so hard <laughs> at a book before. Oh my god, I'm like welling up just thinking about it. This book fucking wrecked me. Wrecked me. Um so Dead Romantics is obviously sort of like a romantic magical realism, mm-hmm. right? Cuz yes. he's he's a ghost kind of. Right? We ro- we ride hard for Dead Romantics. So fucking hard. I'm going to reread it. Because I am so amped up about this book. Um, so Ashley Poston's new book, The Seven Year Slip, which comes out the 27th of June. So after this podcast comes out, that will be next Tuesday. Because this is coming out on the 21st. So it is not out yet. Um, but I am here to tell you, oh my fucking God, buy it, read it, reread it. It is also romantic magical realism, and it takes place in an apartment in New York City in this historic building that I was picturing being sort of like Dakota-esque. And it's a magical apartment that our main character's aunt has left to her after she passed away. Mm -hmm. And the way the apartment works is that sometimes randomly when you need it most, if you open the door and walk in, it will take you seven years back in time. Which, it sounds so fucking cheesy when I'm saying it. I know. But I remember, let me tell you that it works. When we read the blurb, I was like, I don't understand how this makes sense, but I trust Ashley Poston. So, 
the romance that takes place, it takes our main character, Clementine, back seven years every once in a while. And seven years ago, the time that it takes her to is when this guy is subletting the apartment for the summer Mm. when seven years ago Clementine and her aunt were like traipsing around Europe. Mm. Ooh, okay. And so there is a back and forth timeline element in that she's slipping back Mm -hmm. in time. Um, but while I didn't love this one as much as Dead Romantics, the way there's, there's, it's, this book is fucking heavy because there's a lot about the, the grieving of her aunt, Mm -hmm. but this book was like fucking magical. It was, it was, it was so good. It was so good. Katie's crying right now. I can't like, I can't even like evangelize it enough. I loved it. I don't, I don't know what else to say about it without giving away too much. I just need you to read it. Um, yeah. Content warning for you. The male lead is a chef. Stop. So there's some no! res- there's some restaurant stuff. And so at the beginning, I was like, oh, Abigail's not going to like this. But then it's not. I like that that's a content warning. Yeah. <laughs> for 